Today's episode is presented by Early Bird. Early Bird is the simplest way for parents, family, and friends to collectively invest in a child's financial future starting at the earliest age. Early Bird's mobile app empowers parents and families to start saving for their child's financial future in a matter of minutes, while activating a child's broader community to gift contributions on birthdays, holidays, or any occasion. Christian, I know saving for my child's college education can be stressful, especially wanting your child to have the best opportunity available. That's why we're teaming up with Early Bird to give our listeners a free $15 investment to give to a child you love. Simply go to partners.getearlybird.com io slash podcast or the link in our show notes download the app and create an account today early bird build the nest and invest in the children you love nerds it's time to suit up and nerd up launching badass rockabilly track now beginning your glorious quest to knighthood time to save the world with some wrestling video games movies horror and more launching ans in three two one. Welcome to the Amazing Nerd Show. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is the Amazing Nerd Show. All right, on this week's show, we got film reviews for A24's The Green Knight and Night Drive. And we're also going to be talking the latest episode of The Bad Batch. And of course, we'll be talking all the insanity of this past week in wrestling. All right, but before we move on, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. And while you're at it, give us a five-star review and DM us a screenshot. Not only will we read it on the show, but we'll send you some amazing Nerd Show swag. Let's get into the news. Every week, we collect the biggest headlines and rumors in Nerdum. We're not mild-mannered reporters. We're mere podcasters with opinions. Well, first up, Warner Brothers confirms James Gunn will return to do another DC project. So, in an interview with The Hollywood Reporter, Warner Brothers executive Walter Hamada, who's in charge of the DC Films label, stated that James Gunn had more projects in the works with DC and Warner. It's not immediately clear whether Hamada's plans involved the James Gunn-teased Suicide Squad spinoffs, or whether Warner Brothers have another project in mind. All right, Christian, so that begs the question, what other DC characters would you like to see James Gunn tackle next? I think there's two groups that kind of come to mind, or at least two characters in general, where I think I would like to see him either do Mr. Miracle, just because I want to see a live-action Mr. Miracle, which <laughs> might might be me. You but, just want to see anyone do Mr. Miracle. <laughs> yes, please. Please, DC. But um, I think another one that would be really fitting for him would be um, Red Hood and the Outlaws. I think that would be a great group for him to play around with. Okay, I could see that. Um, I was thinking Teen Titans. I would love to see that like original lineup like on the big screen, and I feel like that team like dynamic really works to Gunn's like, sensibilities. Yeah. As a director, I would love to see what he could do with the whole, like, you know, death stroke, like, arc. But honestly, why not just give him the fucking keys to the castle, Christian? Oh, absolutely. Right? You want him just to run the whole show? That'd yeah, be just have him be fucking Kevin Foggy. <laughs> why, why not? <laughs> Seriously, I think he could handle it. Well, yeah, because, I mean, what, did Marvel want him to do the whole space division by himself, right, at one point? Yeah, I'm not sure if that was ever confirmed. But, I mean, he's ultra-talented. I mean, everything he touches is gold right now. And he brings this, like, mix of, like, you know, a, like, a really, like, fun, exciting vibe. But, like, also, like, a grit to everything that he produces. And I feel like that's just perfect for what, you know, DC Comics are. Now, mind you, we haven't seen the Suicide Squad yet. I mean, it's Thursday, so we might be singing a completely different tune by next week. Uh-huh. But, I mean... <laughs> I don't know. Like, I've loved everything that he's done so far. All right, up next, we have a rumored villain for the upcoming Flash film. All right, so warning, possible spoilers ahead. If you don't want to know anything about the upcoming Flash film, check out our timestamps. Go ahead and skip to the next story. That's why they're there. So according to the direct, uh, the upcoming Flash film will feature a dark Flash from another timeline. This version of Barry Allen will reportedly serve as the primary villain of the film in place of the many villains featured in the comics that the movie will be taking inspiration from. So if my memory serves me correct, in the Flashpoint comic, Barry is actually responsible for this alternate reality happening but at first he believes it's the reverse flash so i don't know if this story is saying that there isn't going to be an actual reverse flash and it's just going to be a dark version of barry allen 
Um, but yeah, everything that happens in Flashpoint is because Barry goes back in time and tries to save his mother. So, huh, okay. I mean, I might be simplifying that or just misremembering, but I believe that's what happens. Um, I really like the Reverse Flash character, so I'm kind of disappointed that they're not going that route, but I guess this is their way of streamlining things. I don't know. Uh, what says you, Christian? Well, I feel like they're just going to go down a route where it's just going to be a negative version of, you know, Flash that he's chasing after rather than him going after Reverse Zoom, which then they could use in a later film if they wanted to introduce him. Since he's such a big character. In yeah, general. I mean, I could see something like that happening. I'm sure they're just, like I said, trying to streamline the story because mm. introducing a brand new character like that would take up too much time in a film that's already got a lot going on. My bigger issue would be if it's not Barry who's responsible every, for everything that's happened. Like if it's not, you know, if this whole mess isn't due to, you know, a, a very bad choice he ends up making. Um, I think because then you kind of lose the essence of the story. But the film's only a year away, so uh, comes out November 4th, 2022. We know that they're in the middle of production right now. We've been seeing tons of leaked footage and shit. Uh, you know, uh, Ben Affleck's Batman, uh, at least a stunt double riding uh, one of the cycles has been like the recent photo that's been out there. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, like I said, they've got a lot of story to tell in this film. So <laughs> I'm not necessarily surprised that they got rid of the reverse Flash aspect. I hope it's not a weird thing where Ezra Miller wants to play both the villain and the hero in the film, since apparently he has so much pull on this. So <laughs> Yeah, we'll have to wait and see, I guess. All right, up next, DC in talks to cast its Blue Beetle. So the DC Universe has finally found its Blue Beetle. On Monday, it was announced by The Wrap that Cobra Kai star Sholo Mardewene has been cast as Jamie Reyes, who will make his debut in a live-action Blue Beetle movie on HBO Max. Blue Beetle, we know, is going to be directed by Charm City King's Angel Manuel Soto. Um, the film will follow Jamie, who in the comics takes over the Blue Beetle title after the death of Ted Kord. Um, the reports indicate that the film is expected to begin filming early next year. All right, over on the Marvel side of things, Black Panther 2 rumored to have casted its name Mora. So according to Murphy's Multiverse, Mabel Candina has joined the sequel in the role of Namora, who of course is the cousin of the Atlantean ruler Namor. But other than that, no further details have been revealed about the potential casting, but it has been long rumored uh, that Black Panther 2 would feature a conflict with Atlantis, uh, really ever since Okoye made mention of underwater earthquakes during Avengers Endgame. Uh, Wakanda and Atlantis has a history in the comic books. I know during Hickman's run, which directly actually ties into his version of Secret Wars, which it feels like the MCU is headed towards right now, um, at least some kind of version of. Uh, both of the kingdoms, though, in his New Avengers book before, you know, Secret Wars. So I guess all of this does make sense for the current phase that Marvel's in. Up next, Amazon's Lord of the Rings announces its premiere date. So yes, the series wrapped filming and Amazon decided to celebrate the occasion by announcing the highly anticipated show's planned premiere date, which is Friday, September 2nd, 2022. The show will be available exclusively on Prime Video with new episodes being released weekly. Also with this announcement we got a first look at the show uh, coming in the form of a picture of an unknown location in Middle Earth with a mysterious figure standing off in the distance. So it definitely feels like a lot of these streaming services are going back to the weekly episodic format. Uh, you know, we've talked about it before on the show. It just kind of makes sense. That way you kind of garner a lot of buzz around the show instead of just dropping a season all at once. And then it has like a shelf life of maybe a week or two. And then people kind of just move on to the next thing. Um, I don't know. I've kind of adapted at this point. I, I, I was struggling with it for a while, which is really crazy to think because I mean, that's the way TV was formatted for, I don't know, 20 some years of my life. But Netflix definitely spoiled me. Um, I don't know, Christian, are you a Lord of the Rings guy? And isn't this the series that costs like a ridiculous amount to make? I mean, it's Amazon, so they've got all the money in the fucking world, but I'm sure they don't want this thing to flop. I mean, I love me some high fantasy. I loved, you know, watching Lord of the Rings while I was growing up and, you know, I. I'm, I'm not afraid to want to go back and watch those long three-hour cuts of it, but I, I don't know if Lord of the Rings has that same, 
you know, buzz around it as it used to. And I, I do think that Amazon is, if they put in enough work and they make it interesting enough, it could get a lot of people behind it. I just, I don't, I don't hear people talking about Lord of the Rings the way that they used to, at least when I was, you know, like in middle school and high school and stuff like that. No, I can agree with that. I feel like the Hobbit films didn't do all that great. No. So maybe that's part of the reason why that is. Um, but I mean, hopefully they're able to recapture that magic. I would love to see them go like a hard like R with this type of you know series. I think it'd be crazy to see Lord of the Rings with like as much blood and violence as they could possibly throw into it. They won't do that, but no, it'd be they're fun. not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> you want everything to be a fucking hard R. What are you talking about? <laughs> Maybe, uh, yes, I do. Life would be better. Like I'd love to see Tiny Toons <laughs> as a hard R. <laughs> okay, whatever, Christian. <laughs> So, Damon, we saw a movie this week. That's right. We saw A24's The Green Knight. Warning spoilers for The Green Knight ahead. You have been warned. And now, our feature presentation. Oh, greatest of kings. Let one of your knights try to land a blow against me. Indulge me in this game. I will be the... King Arthur's headstrong nephew embarks on a daring quest to confront the Green Knight. This was directed and written by David Lowry and stars Dev Patel. So the Green Knight is writer-director David Lowry's take on the 14th century Arthurian poem Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. Lowry's dark fantasy tale really comes to life through a rich tapestry of fever dream-like visuals and subtle but powerful performances that will just carve itself onto your psyche by the film's end. Gawain, the young nephew of the king, is plagued by his own immaturity and is forced to test his virtue after brashly accepting the challenge of the mystical Green Knight on Christmas Day. Left contemplating his fate for a full year before the game can conclude, Gawain's true test is finding his own bravery on his journey to uphold his promise to the Green Knight. While this movie won't be for everyone, I mean, it has a methodical pace and it's far more of a character piece than your standard horror fantasy adventure. But Lowry weaves such an engrossing coming of the age tale about a man coming face to face with his own destiny through just breathtaking cinematography and a hypnotic score that just guides you through the experience that it was really hard for me not to enjoy every second of it. Because that's what this film is, an experience that you get absorbed into. I mean, it's the kind of film that prog bands write concepts albums around. Um, and not to continue to rave about the cinematography, but like every frame in this movie looks like a piece of art that should be hanging in a museum somewhere. I also love that the mysticism, you know, the magic of it all, felt like grounded in a way that's hard to describe but it really just enhanced the movie because it felt more real like I wasn't like sitting there marveling at the smoke and mirrors of it all or the CGI and I think that helped with feeling the awe of this odyssey through Dev Patel's fantastic performance I mean as we watch his character really struggle to grow after being forced on this path of self-discovery does he have what it takes to fulfill his potential or is he content on being good and not great? And is that okay? I mean, the ending being open to interpretation will definitely have some people torn, but I love it when a filmmaker is bold enough to allow an audience to take what they want from their work. Um, so with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give The Green Knight an A. It's a beautifully crafted story that engulfs your senses on every level, and it really is the kind of film that the fantasy genre just needs more of. Yeah, I have to agree. There is a lacking amount of dark fantasy films in the work these days, um, but at least we can say Green Knight is a star in the void of this genre. I will say before I get into my personal overall thoughts of this film, I think I still have a kind of like, I don't know, sense of respect or at least an idea of what I'm getting into every time I see A24's name attached to a project. More often than not, shit's going to get weird. It's going to be more of an art piece and I'm down for whatever gets thrown my way. While I may have had a bit 
bit of hope for a little bit more action in the Green Knight. I still had an understanding for the use of, you know, its drawn out shots and choices being made in the cinematography to invoke a fantastic amount of dread. Um, Patel's portrayal throughout this film was great. I felt like you could easily understand or even relate to his decision making even when you know he is failing at these trials and tribulations. You could put yourself in his shoes and I think in a film that, you know, it very much seems dedicated to your own perception of the story, it'll leave you feeling like you've had this like unique experience or if anything will lead to, you know, some fun discussions of what you think happened amongst your peers. I do feel like there were a couple moments where the CG was a little wonky for me and took me out of it just for like maybe a moment, but the practical effects and the character designs were solid otherwise. And overall, I feel like the film accomplished what it set out to do and I was sucked in from start to finish. So I will be giving The Green Knight an A minus. Definitely recommend seeing it if you haven't had a chance to yet. Well, Damon, you watched another movie, right? That's right, I saw the film Night Drive. You're acting like this is no big deal, which is totally messing with my mind right now. Take a deep breath, finish the job. Either you tell me what's in the suitcase, or you can get out and I'll open it myself. You wouldn't understand. Try me. Why do I feel like you've done this before? It's all part of the experience, Rusty. A rideshare driver's life is turned upside down after an unexpected series of misfortunes. This was directed by Brad Barra and Megan Leon, and also written by Megan Leon, and stars AJ Bowen and Sophie Dalla. So Night Drive is a quirky dark comedy that will have you white-knuckling through all of its twists and turns. Its seemingly simplistic nature hides its truth as this unpredictable tale of regret unfolds. Russell, played by the always charismatic AJ Bowen, is a down-on-his-luck rideshare driver haunted by his past choices. Little does he know that his next passenger, Charlotte, played by Sophie Dalla, is about to take him on a journey that will forever change him. So I'm gonna go extremely light spoilers here because this is definitely a film that needs to be experienced firsthand to like fully enjoy. So I think part of the reason why Night Drive works so well for me is that it kind of felt like a breath of fresh air. Like many, when I start watching a film, I start to map out where the story is headed and you kind of have a blueprint going in your head. Predictability isn't necessarily a bad thing as long as the story's well told. But Night Drive was a completely different experience altogether because for the first time in a long time, I was completely in the dark. So much so that like halfway through the film, I still had no clue where they were going. And every time that I felt like I had it figured out, something else would happen that would reset those expectations. This kind of storytelling by directors Megan Leon and Brad Bra is both clever and exhilarating. Dalla and Bowen have just a natural chemistry together that just hooks you in and keeps you engaged. Also, I thought the parallels between Charlotte's, let's say, carefree demeanor compared to Russell who wears his life choices like a weight around his neck were well played. Russell is an extremely likable character whose passive personality just plays right into Charlotte's hands. But to what ends? That's the question that really fuels this film. Co-directors Leon and Bra were able to capture a real Coen Brothers-esque vibe with every off-kilter happening just amping up the suspense until the film starts to spiral out of control. But they do a masterful job of never truly showing their hand, which leads to a huge what the fuck moment in the third act. Typically such a hard turn would throw people off, but I gotta say, I loved it. And without saying much, I thought it was perfect for the theme of past regrets that they were going with. Another smart choice I thought was the Christmas backdrop. And that might be partially because I just love a good Christmas backdrop in a film, but, I mean, I thought it especially lent to the whole idea of new beginnings. Once again, without saying much. Um, I think my only real issue was the ending felt a little rushed. Um, you know, I would have liked to see them spend more time in kind of the insanity of it all. But I might just be being greedy. Night Drive is definitely a ride worth taking, and I'm sure every reviewer is going to use that pun, so I apologize. Uh, but anyway, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give this film a B. You can check it out now everywhere on VOD. This podcast is sponsored by 
Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. We use Podbean to host the amazing nerd show. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record, and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast, and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. Make sure to download the free Podbean app today. That's right. P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Check it out. Well, all right, it's time for some Bad Batch talk. We're talking episode 14, War Mantle. Warning, spoiler alert. Spoilers for Star Wars The Bad Batch ahead. You have been warned. How about you be useful? Get me some food. Quiet, traitor. That's Captain Traitor. <laughs> Insubordinate plebe. So I think with this episode, the show really got back into its groove. We start off with seeing Gregor on the run who we haven't seen since the Clone Wars. Well, I mean, that's not true because <laughs> we do know he survived because he does show up in Rebels. But the last time we saw him previously before this show takes place is in Clone Wars where he sacrifices himself and blows up. But here we see him chased and being captured by another group of troopers, but not before he sends out a distress signal. Uh, we then flash to the Bad Batch on yet another mission for Sid when they get contacted by Rex, who asks them to go rescue Gregor since he's in the middle of another mission, most likely for the Alliance. Omega once again has to kind of convince Hunter to help out. This is really brief, but after four or five episodes of these conversations, I don't know, it's just kind of getting stale to me. While I definitely think Omega is making the Batch more compassionate, um, at this point, uh, and especially by the end of this episode, I'm starting to think that it's really Omega who's going to learn a real hard lesson. But we'll talk about that more at the end. They could have easily just dropped off whatever they needed for Sid and then gone after it. You know, there's light speed. They're, they're moving really fast. Fuck Sid! <laughs> I well, still okay, yeah, I don't too. understand why they're working for <laughs> Sin anymore. <laughs> I thought the whole point was to get what they need from Sid, you know, to get enough supplies and then find another planet to hide on. I thought that was the original point, and then like Sid was kind of like blackmailing them to like continue to work for her. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. After like Omega basically paid back their debt, I still don't understand why the batch are. are like choosing to like stick with Sid. It doesn't fully make sense because all the missions that they go on aren't very low profile. No. You know, it keeps their na their names out there. They're super fucking risky and half the time they end up dragging Omega with them. So exactly. In the beginning, it felt like Hunter's <laughs> new like mission was all about, you know, keeping a low profile and protecting uh, Omega. But I don't see how that makes any sense with them still working with Sid. But the Batch do end up agreeing to go rescue Gregor. And then we flash to Kamino and we see Rampart and Crosshair having a conversation about deploying all of the clone troopers and that the Kaminoans are no longer of use to the Empire. So for me, this scene was really frustrating because I don't know, just everything felt so rushed and just unnecessarily so because I can think of at least two episodes that were just kind of side stories that could have had, I don't know, a scene or two with the Empire that would have developed more of the story of transition between, you know, clone troopers to stormtroopers. Um, instead, it just kind of happens matter of factly in episode 14. And for me, it just feels a little too abrupt. I just wish we would have gotten to witness more of this story take place, at least on, I don't know, the Empire side of things. Especially instead of going on another wacky adventure for Sid, but I don't know, maybe I'm being too harsh. I agree, there was plenty of space and opportunity for them to kind of draw out this story a little bit longer with the Kaminoans, or at least shown maybe a little bit more foreshadowing to what they were going to do in this episode with them. Like in this episode, it just kind of seems like, yeah, we're going to get rid of them and that's it. You know, like, I don't feel like I saw enough of the Empire being dissatisfied in how the clones operate to really justify them moving on to Stormtroopers. I mean, you know, I do know that they explain their motives in this episode. It just, I don't know, the clones still seem so, you know, the better option. <laughs> the, they're... I don't know. Their reasoning behind it, though, feels really weak to me. Mm -hmm. um, and I understand, like, I think part of it's just Tarkin hates fucking clones. In my mind, before this series, like, some kind of, like, clone uprising that takes place. And that's why the Empire has to, like, transition into stormtroopers. 
Because logically, that would be the only thing that would make sense. Because why wouldn't you want these, like, you know, perfect fighting machines, you know, mm. on your side? So, because even with the reasoning they give to us later on in this episode, I still don't, I don't know, buy it. Like, <laughs> it doesn't really work for me. Yeah. But, I mean, I have really enjoyed this series overall. But it has been disappointing that we're not seeing more of the empire side of things because that's one of the reasons why i was attracted to this was because i wanted to see kind of the aftermath of order 66 and you know the empire taking full control of the galaxy um you know and how that transition would work but instead we've been much more focused on like this contained story about like the bad batch and omega and everything else is just kind of happening in the background i feel like they could have found like a balance between the two stories, or at least more of a balance. It's just that, you know, classic case of show me instead of telling me, I think, with this, because there's a lot of it where they're just telling me that this is happening right off the bat instead of, you know, giving me little glimpses of it here and there throughout the entire series. And that's just what I would like more of from this, especially since I think they've been, you know, they've done a good job of that in previous shows. No, I agree. And it's not that I have an issue with Omega's story. But I also want to see the rest of the story play out. But on that note, we did find out that we're getting a season two uh, next year. So, I mean, maybe they continue that story in, you know, next season. So next we see Nala Say uh, leading a group of young clones, uh, trying to get them off the planet, most likely to protect them from the Empire. Uh, she then meets Lama Su and finds out that the Empire has ended all of their contracts with them. They basically discuss making a run for it uh, in fear that the Empire will execute them, most likely out of fear that the Kaminoans would find another client who would want a clone army of their own. So, in the next scene, we see the Bad Batch land on Daro. Uh, Hunter is able to quickly find the Empire's secret base hidden in the mountains. This is when the Bad Batch get their first look at what we will soon find out to be more conscripted troopers, rocking a kind of hybrid armor that lands somewhere between Clone Trooper and Stormtrooper. So, this new look feels like it's based on the original concept art for the Stormtroopers, which is a real cool kind of Easter egg. Well, I know that they said that this place is, you know, for training. I, it, it, it seems so massive. I was expecting like, oh, maybe they're working on pieces of the, you know, the Death Star here or something. I mean, it's a giant mountain and it's just training. I don't know. I, I, I definitely thought they were going to throw in a little bit more Easter eggs in this moment, at least. Yeah, but we find out the reason why uh. the base is so massive. So then the Bad Batch sneak into the base to break out Gregor, and they discover currently that the station is holding 50 clone troopers and over a thousand TK troopers, which I guess is the abbreviation that stormtroopers go by. But anyway, they're able to break out Gregor, who then explains to them that he was stationed there to help train basically the replacements, the stormtroopers. Uh, when he just had enough of this, he just tried to run and leave. And obviously this didn't work out very well for him. Um, but yeah, the, the Batch actually discovered this for themselves when they tried to take off one of the troopers' helmets and find out that they're not clones at all. Gregor then explains that these are loyalists from across the galaxy. It seems like the Empire is no longer interested in highly skilled troopers. That it's more about quantity over quality that the emperor wants a loyal legion behind him helping him rule the galaxy so this is a bit of a dumb complaint but i did think like after they found out that these were you know no longer clones they should have just turned on the actual blasters well, instead of using stuns you know what though record does oh okay. now he but but the funny thing about that is he doesn't know what uh. they discovered. Because <laughs> if you notice, when he, he opens the uh, the ship's door, he's just fucking blasting him. That's yes. not a stun, mm -hmm. a stun blast. So, <laughs> so I did chuckle at that. So next, we see the Batch fight their way out of the base as they make their escape with the assist of Omega and Wrecker, who are piloting their ship. As the crew tries to jump on board, though, Hunter doesn't make it and he ends up getting captured. This leads to him ordering the Batch to leave him behind to Omega's dismay. So next we cut to Kamino where we see Rampart confront Lama Su about Nala Say helping medical personnel get off the planet. Rampart then says that he always has the use for a skilled scientist cloner like Lama Su, but not for another politician. The scene closes with the elite troopers slowly approaching the Prime Minister. 
obviously gearing up for an execution. How dare they not put in a laser sound effect there? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's all implied, what Christian. Confirmation. Jesus Christ. I know, I know. <laughs> I want to see a corpse. <laughs> You're a monster. <laughs> so the episode ends with Crosshair confronting Hunter while he sits in his cell, and he mentions that he's disappointed that the rest of the crew isn't there. But then he cryptically says Hunter will do as he opens up the cell door. So yeah, I'm not buying any of this. I have a sneaking suspicion that Crosshair is really there to free Hunter to help him either escape or perhaps take on the Empire. I also think we're going to get an appearance by Rex as the Batch go to recruit him to help, you know, rescue Hunter. Um, and maybe he brings some friends along with him. Well, I guess just at that point in that, in that scene, I got real just annoyed by the fact that we're not going to see crosshair hunt them down at all i i just you know they brought up this whole moment where you know he's like oh let me go hunt them yes. down and that's it's it's a non-issue yeah now. that's know. what it seems like at least right <laughs> like uh, we, we really didn't get a hunt uh and that felt like a big moment in that episode but then the next week we kind of have a filler episode and then we're at this moment. So it feels like a missed opportunity. Or like something at least got cut from the show. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, I don't it's, know. it's weird, right? Because that felt like mm -hmm. a big moment. Like, allow me to go hunt them down. So you're expecting to see at least an episode or two of Crosshair yes. like chasing after them. But maybe we are going to eventually get there, um, especially now knowing that there is a second season. But the way this episode ended... It really felt to me that Crosshair was there to help Hunter, especially the way he just kind of opened up the cell, didn't even mm -hmm. have like his blaster drawn. I was like, okay, he's totally there to save him. Like something's <laughs> up. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I don't think I put two and two together when I first watched it. But when you know you mentioned that, I was like, oh yeah, he's he doesn't seem really menacing at all. And Crosshair, you know. Well, that He'll dude put is a menacing. gun to anyone's yeah, face. But that dude's menacing in everything he says, so it's, it's hard to really tell with Crosshair. But overall, I, I mean, I I think I'll like this episode for you know different reasons in the future, where it's like, oh yeah, we got our first look at what they're starting to do with the Stormtroopers. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, we, we got an idea of what happened to the Kaminoans. Yeah, I'm totally but... going to get like some new, like, you know, Star Wars Black Series figures out of this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that's the first thing I thought of when I saw like the new design for the stormtroopers. Oh, as soon as I saw Gregor running around with like his half armor look, I was like, oh well, there's another one for Damon. Uh -huh. <laughs> and actually, now that you said that, they never made Rex from Rebels or Gregor or Wolf for that matter. So I mean, I'm sure those are coming down the line sometime soon. Oh yes. <laughs> Toys aside, I just don't know how I feel about this episode in the grand scheme of this season. Mm -hmm. Uh, just because, like, while it, it, it was better than the last episode, it, it, again, just feels like it's wrapping up things a little bit too much, especially since now they definitely are rushing into our grand finale. I believe uh, you told me this off mic that the next two are going to be like a two-part. Yeah, it's a two-part so, finale. So, yeah, um, yeah no, I agree, um, especially now knowing that there's going to be a second season. It feels like they could have, like, drawn this out a lot more. Yes. But maybe at the time they didn't know that they would get a second season. I don't know. That's a fair point. You know, you never know, like, if it's going to be successful enough that they're going to be willing to do another one. So you just give out your best throw. But I, is this their best throw? <laughs> well, tune in next week and we'll see how it all plays out. Attention listeners across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston, do we have a pew problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new lawnmower 4.0. Blast your pube to the next planet with the Performance Package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with our code AMAZING. Christian, I'm a hairy bastard, and one day my wife said enough's enough and got me my very own Manscaped lawnmower. I went from being a Wookiee to being as smooth as Lando. So you know my Bad Batch was more than ready for the next mission when I got my lawnmower 4.0. 
Ready for an out-of-world experience, fellas? Look no further than the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped that has just taken off in not only the US, but Canada, the UK, across Europe, Australia, South Africa, and Singapore. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 Trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold your whole solar system. First scheduled for liftoff, new Lawnmower 4.0 Trimmer. This spaceship is here to guide you on a journey to trim your body, balls, butt, and even your anus. This fourth generation trimmer also features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor, a new multifunction on-off switch, can engage a travel lock, and is even waterproof. The Lawnmower 4.0 also has a 4000K LED spotlight you can turn on and off when needed for a more precise shave throughout your travels across the universe. The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker. It's like having a little astronaut to chop your worst weeds in your nose and ears. The Weed Whacker is also waterproof and uses a 9000 RPM RPM motor powered 360 degree rotary dual blade system. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides skin safe technology which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. Don't forget to use the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and the Crop Reviver to help your little planets be on their A-game while feeling the sun's heat. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Abort Harry Balls and Buzz Lightyear that Woody with Manscaped. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use our code AMAZING, that's A-M-A-Z-I-N-G to unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Well, now it's time for Christian's Corner. These past few weeks in gaming have been chock full of, you know, scandals after the revelations of what really goes down at Activision Blizzard. But beyond the systematic meltdown of that company, the games industry prepares for holiday 2021. One game gearing up for its fall release has been Back for Blood, the spiritual successor to the ever-beloved Left 4 Dead franchise. In this past week, we saw the launch of its beta for you, you know, pre-ordered folks out there. Um, first impressions across the board from the many who have gotten their hands on it already preach of its addictive gameplay similar to its predecessor. The big twist in its gameplay this time around is the upgrade system that deals with players choosing cards that best suit their playstyle, and also players get to pick cards that get to affect you know the enemy's stats and level stats, and really just kind of gets to change up how the difficulty of each level will be, creating a lot of opportunity for replayability. Back for Blood is set for October 12th, and I know that I'm personally looking forward to this game, but, but for those of you who haven't pre-ordered just yet, like me, you know, there will be an open beta that will be available August 12th through the 16th, and I'm hoping to you know, set up some streams in that as well, so make sure you check us out on Twitch. But you know, a game that won't be ready for this holiday season is Evil Dead. On Twitter, the team announced it was going to need a bit more time for polish to ensure players get that ultimate Evil Dead experience. Hey, we never hate to hear that the game is still being worked on. Go ahead and take as much time as you need. That's the, you know, I feel like most gamers feel that way at this point. Just do what you gotta to put the game out and it's in its best possible state as you can. They also say that the new release window will be aiming for a February 2022 release. But another game announcing a delay this week coming straight out of the hellacious dumpster fire that is Blizzard right now is Diablo Immortal. Um, the extremely popular franchise looks to take a little bit more time working on PvP and PvE elements of the game. Uh, they, they gave a ton of great reasons for why they might need to work on it a little bit more. But at the same time, most people aren't buying that right now just because of all the shit that's come out on the company. Of course, they would want to wait on this release. <laughs> if they were to release a game tomorrow, of course, the internet would probably review bomb it to hell, even if it was a team that had nothing to do with some of the scandals that have been going on with Activision right now. You know, we'll see if they put any more delays on any other games that they're working on right now. Um, where that company is really going at this point, who knows? 
it all seems to be falling apart for them and it, i mean rightfully so but hey something that is running full steam ahead is our twitch channel make sure that you are joining us live thursday through sunday as we play the games we nerd out about make sure that you're following us and you could subscribe for free using your amazon prime account we go live at 12 noon central time each thursday through sunday but okay now let's get into some wrestling i have a Afraid of the dark? Is it the fear of the unknown? Is it the monster that lives underneath your bed? Fear is what brings you all together. It is your common bond. But I am not like you. I don't bow down to the feet of fear. I control it. Well, Christian, it has been a fucking crazy week in the world of wrestling. Um, we thought we were going to come on here and just talk the latest episode of Dynamite, but over this past week, the shit has just really hit the fucking fan. <laughs> it started actually last <laughs> weekend with none other than Bray Wyatt getting released. Um, there were rumors, uh, I guess, during the last round of releases that Bray's name might be on the list, but that never made any sense to me, especially with the amount of no. time that they've invested in, like, the Fiend character and knowing, like, what a moneymaker it was merch-wise. There just wasn't a way that I could envision it, like, happening. You know, maybe if Bray was just, like, protesting and asking for his release, but apparently that wasn't the case um he did kind of let the writing team know that he wasn't really happy with the way things were being booked over the last couple months which i mean who could blame him but i guess that was just through a message it wasn't even face to face <laughs> by all accounts he wasn't <laughs> someone who always like rocked the boat so i mean the fiend was definitely like his baby but it wasn't like he was like protesting or anything um, he was out with, I don't know, some kind of like health issue. Um, people were speculating that it could be a mental health issue, but that's just speculation. No one really knows. I know some people were saying that he really took Brody Lee's death hard, which only makes fucking sense. Mm -hmm. Um but we don't know if that really, like, tied into all this. So the reason he was given was budget cuts, which is pretty much the standard reason for everyone nowadays who gets cut. So I don't know, man. Uh, your biggest moneymaker usually isn't your concern when it comes to budget. <laughs> and honestly, with how successful the WWE has been, I mean, the, the past couple of years have been their most profitable. So it just all seems like, yeah. <laughs> you know, bullshit to me. Or, you know, maybe they are getting ready to sell like, and put the company on the market. I don't know. So I guess, I mean, only time will tell. Um, where do you foresee Bray ending up? Uh, Bray? Because at this point, you know, I know a lot of people have been saying, you know, of course, they want him to join up with AEW. Uh, but I feel like AEW is way overstuffed, and especially with characters similar to Bray Wyatt at this point, I would love to see him do a whole New Japan run for a good year. I think that would be awesome to see Bray Wyatt, you know, in that kind of sphere with that type of talent. Mm. But, um, you know, I, I could see AEW still picking him up just because he's such a big name. Yeah, though. it'd be kind of hard to pass on that kind of name recognition yeah. and everything. And he's he's got such a creative mind and everything. Um, mm -hmm. But they are f extremely overstuffed right now. So, yes. <laughs> like, I kind of wish Rampage was like a two-hour show because <laughs> I yeah. still don't see how they utilize all the talent they have. Uh, but yeah, no, I, honestly, I. <laughs> And you're going to groan when you hear this, but I wouldn't mind him going to Impact um, because I think he'd have a lot of creative control um, and it, it would really help like put Impact back on the map because they do have some great wrestlers over there. And I mean, hmm. what a better way to like draw eyes. And I would love for Impact to become like a serious player in the game again. 
you know, because there was a time where I, I fucking loved Impact, you know, so I wouldn't be too hurt if he ended up over there. Now, do I foresee that happening? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, what a great way to like shop your company around to to possible like TV networks. I think they're on Access TV, but like hardly anyone gets that. So if you have mm-hmm. a wrestler like Bray Wyatt, though, you know, someone with name value, that gives you a better chance of actually landing a, a bigger TV deal. So, um, but I don't understand their contract situation. I know they were, right? They were yeah. on Twitch, but now they're going to be on YouTube. Yeah, that was just yeah. recent, too. I think it was like last week. So, but I mean, that's neither here nor there. I'm just excited to see Bray Wyatt, like, creatively without any leash on it anymore. No, exactly. I mean, it almost doesn't even feel real that he's out of WWE right? still. Like, I still can't get over <laughs> them just releasing him. But yeah, he's one of, one of the most creative people they've mm-hmm. had on that show for a while. So, I mean, I think he could thrive just about anywhere and bring a lot to the table as as far as, you know, not only just boosting himself, but other wrestlers. I think he would be able to create great stories for the entire company, whatever company he No, I agree in. 100%. I agree 100%. And that's why I'm wondering if, like, he's the kind of wrestler that Tony Khan can't really pass on. You know, where he's got to make an offer to, regardless of how big his roster is. Like, he's the kind of wrestler that you adjust your roster size for, where you're willing to kind of let some (laughs) wrestlers go to get him Uh on board. Because, I mean, like you said, he's a special talent. And you you don't pass up on special talent like that. Especially one that we're just kind of scratching the surface on. Because regardless of how much the WWE has, like, featured him in the past— it still somehow always felt like they've underutilized him, if that makes any sense. Yes. Well, speaking of insane happenings this past week, we have the whole Adam Cole situation. Apparently, somehow WWE allowed for his contract to expire, I believe, sometime in July. And apparently the only reason why he's working right now is because, one, he's a nice guy. And two, he agreed to see this storyline out you know, through <laughs> SummerSlam. Um, and right now he's working with Kyle O'Reilly, which we know he's friends with. So, Christian, I ask you, how the hell do you let Adam Cole's contract expire right underneath your nose? I don't fucking know. I don't know who made that mistake, but uh, they're going to pay for it. Well, there is <laughs> a rumor sure. that someone actually did pay for all this. Uh but I don't know if that's true or not, so I won't get into that. Uh, that's all hearsay, I guess. Uh, but yeah, no. So now Adam Cole has a huge decision on his hands. Now, I don't know if WWE like has offered him a contract at this point. The rumor was that they hadn't, um, which just makes no sense to me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Hunter is really like gritting his teeth right now because he's had so much invested in Adam Cole. Um, mm-hmm. it'll be curious to see where he ends up because originally it felt like NXT was full on board with, you know, Adam Cole and there was the hope, at least a glimmer of hope that he would get a huge push on the main roster when he finally did show up. But then the last like three years has happened and we've seen yeah. time after time, <laughs> you know, the main roster not knowing what to do with NXT like stars and especially one the size of adam cole which he is definitely on the smaller end of the spectrum so with that being factor in and with the recent treatment of fucking keith lee and Kyrian cross you know two wrestlers who are much more in that classic wwe mold i mean i wouldn't blame adam cole for you know saying goodbye here and walking away no. and i'm sure like, it's been a dream to work with, like, two of his heroes, Shawn Michaels and Triple H, which, you know, he's spoke yeah. nothing but highly of. But, I mean, is there really a future, you know, in the WWE for Adam Cole? And maybe he is content on just being, like, an NXT lifer, but is that really even guaranteed? Because we've seen Vince is, you know, treating NXT more and more like the developmental territory that it was originally supposed to be and just kind of snatching wrestlers regardless of the storyline at whim now. So, I mean, he always runs the risk of, you know, of that happening to him. 
And then in a couple of weeks, he'll be chasing after the 24-7 title. Yeah, exactly. Just, you know, having a good time in <laughs> catering. And it's got to be a tough sale either way when he goes home and, you know, Britt Baker is there just having the best time yes. in the world in AEW. So yes, I don't know. She's literally know one of their does. most over superstars right now. And I'm exactly. sure she's talking about how great things are on a daily <laughs> basis with him. So, yes. yeah, it's got to be tempting for him to jump ship. And not just to AEW, but, I mean, he's got a long history with the Ring of Honor. Uh, you know, he's yes. worked in New Japan. So he's got tons of fucking options on the table. So, I mean, if he's smart, he's definitely going to, like, play his cards close to his vest and, you know, get a bidding war for himself going. So and mm. it'll be curious to see where he lands. Well, and then to add to the weirdness of this week, we have the case of Ric Flair, who apparently at first the story was that he requested for his release. And then the story turned into, no, he was released because he went to uh, McMahon complaining about the way Charlotte was being used. So McMahon released him, but he denies that. But I guess some people on the inside of the company are saying it's the other way around. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, Ric Flair no longer works for the WWE. Um, which, I mean, Jesus Christ, it feels like we've had like this mass exodus of like legends recently. Right. Uh, but I just didn't foresee Flair, you know, leaving at any point because he felt super content. Mm. I mean, I mean, the statement that he put out on social media just about everything that's happened was very positive. You know, when it came to WWE, and he said there was no hard feelings or anything. Um, he has over the last couple months, like talked about like how unhappy he was with his most like recent storylines with um, Lacey Evans, all that bullshit. <laughs> Uh, uh -huh. But, I mean, I could definitely see Flair going to McMahon, you know, and complaining about the way Charlotte's being used. Um, and we do know that, you know, her, you know, boyfriend or fiance was just released by WWE. So I'm sure he's been kind of frustrated with the company. But even so, I can't imagine there being a single thing Ric Flair could say to Vince McMahon that would piss him off enough to, like, just release him. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I mean, I agree with you because what better ambassador for the WWE than Ric Flair? And Flair has really mm -hmm. like gotten like, I don't know, like a, a second life now in like pop culture the recent years. So would you want to just keep him around just to keep him around? You know, even it's just for yeah, press. Exactly. So I, I don't know. It, it's it's crazy. It makes no fucking sense. And that's once again, I go back to <laughs> I feel like WWE is getting ready to be sold um because i maybe vince just saw it as another contract to unload and flair did have mm. a substantial contract so this wasn't just like some little legend skill they were paying him well mm. but i mean who knows mcmahon is known to have a temper so if flair approached him the wrong way maybe he did make that brash decision now there there is that theory though or two of the names we've talked about so far both last met with Randy Orton, and now they are no longer with WWE. Just putting it out there. You think uh, Randy is the contract killer now? Yeah. Instead of the legend. <laughs> the legend killer. Because, no, well, that whole episode of, was it the Raw Legends reunion, yes. whatever they call uh -huh. it? Basically, every legend that Randy came into contact with are now part of AEW. Because you had Mark Henry, mm -hmm. right? Christian, uh, and The Big Show. Yep. And they're all on AEW. <laughs> I don't know if he attacked Flair, though, that day. Oh, no, no he did. But... In that storyline, he did. That's right. Flair was originally with Orton, and then Orton mm -hmm. turned on him. Um, yeah, it's kind of weird, right? <laughs> but I, once again, I don't blame these legends for wanting to leave when you see, like, comparatively speaking, how AEW, like, treats their legends. Uh because, yeah, Christian's wrestling again. It seems like he's about to get a fucking, you know, a title opportunity. Mark Henry's on uh, commentary. And it seems like he's going to be getting, like, both Mark Henry and Big Show are on commentary. Uh, and it seems like Henry's going to be making a return to the ring, which mm -hmm. I don't think WWE would probably allow at this point in his career. So, I mean, why not? Do you think Flair is going to end up? At least making an appearance on AEW. Um, I could see that, like maybe once, 
a one-time thing. I can't imagine him being like, there's been lots of rumors I've seen of people saying he's going to be a manager over in AEW for some talents. And I'm like, I don't know if I want that right now. Well, I think at this point, the only reason I wouldn't want it just because they have so many like older veteran, you know, Mm -hmm. managers, you know, like, you know, all time, like hall of famers, um, which is fine, but there's just, it feels redundant at this point because yeah. i could see flair being the manager of like pinnacle but you have tully you know doing that yes. right now mm-hmm. and then i could see flair being paired with cody but you have arn doing that right now so i don't know what they would do with him necessarily but that doesn't mean eventually there won't be a spot for him if chavo wasn't with andrade i could see flair being with mm-hmm. andrade especially since you know we know there's family ties there so, um, but yeah, I, I do feel like we'll get at least a one-off appearance from Flair, though. So, and it definitely felt like I, on AEW this week, they were kind of teasing that. You saw that whole backstage scene with all the Easter eggs, yes. <laughs> you know, while the Elite was doing their promo. You had Kenny in the fucking Cookie Monster shirt, which was an obvious reference to CM Punk. Uh, you had Gallows in a Ric Flair robe. Um, people were saying that Matt Jackson's Hawaiian shirt was supposed to be a nod to Bray Wyatt. So, and there was a few other ones I'm totally forgetting right now. Uh, I don't know. I thought that was a really cool idea. Cause I mean, shit, if fucking comic book movies can do Easter eggs, why not wrestling? Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so were you able to catch Dynamite? I know you were out of town. No, unfortunately, I wasn't able to watch this week's episode, um, but I did, you know, it's social media was crazy with everything that's going on recently. Mm-hmm. So I did catch like some moments here and there. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest highlight of the night was Cody versus Malachi Black. Mm-hmm. Um, it was pretty much a glorified squash match, uh, which seems to be kind of the M.O. for when Cody is, you know, going to you know, uh-huh. work on his game show. <laughs> Same sort of deal happened with Brody Lee. I mean, I definitely foresaw him like doing the job here. I just didn't expect it to be like, you know, this one sided. Um, mm-hmm. But it definitely put over Malachi Black. And then at the end, you had him cut this like impassioned promo where he teased retiring. And of course, Black came out and took him out with a crutch that just happened to be placed in the corner of the ring. Um, it was well played and it actually got black heat. So, which he's been getting nothing but cheers lately. So that mm. worked out. I do feel like Cody's going to the well one too many times though, with these type of, you know, promos. Mm. Um, Cause it feels like every program he works, we get this kind of heartfelt, you know, tear eyed <laughs> promo from him at this point. So I'm worried that it's going to feel like really like disingenuous um, after a while and just overindulgent, you know, (laughs) so I just I don't know. I would I would kind of at least for the next couple programs after this, stay away from this kind of promo. If he is going to stay face. Yeah, I was about to say, because, I mean, otherwise, it's an easy way to just turn him heel. It's, the crowd's already against, or, you know, unsold by his crybaby act, you know. Then. <laughs> I wouldn't say crybaby act. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. He's a great fucking talker and a great promo. But if you keep on pulling on the crowd's heartstrings over and over again, mm-hmm. they're going to eventually start getting numb to it. Um, especially with what happened with the last program he worked against the factory, because I don't think anyone really bought into that feud. Um, and that feud definitely felt indulgent to me. Um, and because of that, I feel like some of the crowd has kind of gone like cold on him. So if he's planning on staying, you know, a baby phase, I just would dial it back a little. No, I agree. But anyway, we're running out of time. Hopefully we will be back next week and we'll have some more happy news to talk about instead of just (laughs) people losing their jobs left and right. Uh, But yeah, that's going to do it for this week. Well, that does it for this week. That's right. And as a friendly reminder, if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, remember to subscribe, rate, and give us a five-star review. Exactly. It sure does help an independent podcast like ours continue to grow. And while you're at it, make sure to tell a friend. 
Plus, if you like any of the stories we talked about on this week's episode, make sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to catch the full articles, trailers, memes, and more. That's right, you can follow us at Amazing Nerd Show on all social media platforms. And hey, if you're looking for extra content, make sure to catch our streams every weekend on Twitch, plus YouTube videos Monday through Friday. Want to support the show further? You can head over to tpublic.com and get yourself some amazing Nerd Show merch. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, and more. And if you post what you bought and tag us on social media, we'll send you some additional nerd swag if you live in the United States. Well, all right, Damon, what are we talking about next week? Well, Christian, so next week we'll have a review for the Suicide Squad and the first episode of Marvel's What If. That's not all. We'll also be talking part one of the season finale of The Bad Batch and, of course, whatever is going on in wrestling. Yeah, because who the fuck knows? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Well, my name's Christian. And my name's Damon. And that was The Amazing Nerd Show. Oh, I didn't.